2: It's time,
1: Marcus, for us to help them defeat the Bro, negative fire insurgency in me up, man. You fire me up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll.
3: And, Marcus, we're back, buddy.
1: One more
2: round.
3: For another round. Let's do it. So uh, we got a really interesting guest coming on today. His name is Adam Davis.
2: Hey, we do, and he's a friend of a guest of ours that we previously have it on, Dr. David Grossman. He is, Dr.
3: David Grossman. Fantastic show. Very interesting individual. You remember reading Grossman's book in, in Buds?
2: Oh, yeah. <clears throat> a mandatory reading on killing on combat. Matter of fact, before every deployment, remember he comes in and gives us the, his, his talk, which you could hear a pin dropped in there. It's hard enough to keep two or three mm-hmm. frogmen, uh, keep their attention. This, this dude, got, he kept everyone's attention.
3: Yeah, he does that for not just military, but it's, it's law enforcement. Yeah. He is very well known oh, in yeah, those man. circles. He almost re- doesn't require mention. But um, the first book he came out with on killing, um, which was an analysis of psychological processes involved with killing of another human being, um, something he coined killology. And then he came out with on combat after that, which was dealing with it. And there's a concept in there of sheepdogs. Um, yeah, read... difference
2: between the sheep and the sheep dog. If yeah. you have no capacity for violence, then you are a healthy, productive citizen. A sheep. If you have a capacity for violence and no empathy for your fellow citizen, then you are defined as an aggressive sociopath, a wolf. But what if you have a capacity for violence and a deep love for your fellow citizen? Then you are a sheepdog, a warrior, someone who is walking the hero's path, someone who can walk into the heart of darkness, into the universal human phobia, and walk out unscathed. There, right there. (laughs) I mean, it's an interesting
3: way to... To highlight the importance of you know our law enforcement, first our first responders, our you know any military. of our citizens
2: that we ca- we call family and, and create this country with are defined right there. Those of us who are willing to go in and help others in the capacity of danger, and those who just sit around and wait. You know, if something bad happens; it happens. I, I don't. I want to. I don't. They I hate violence so much that that they won't even learn how to deal with it, mm-hmm. right? And that's, that's a that's a real thing in people. Some people just can't handle that. Some people can. That's why we're all no. different. That's why we're made in certain ways, and that's what he's identifying here. And it's always incumbent upon the masses to remember that each one of us hold that position for a reason. If you have too much of one of them or, or not enough of one of them, then you, the other one can can overtake and, and you know, it kind of d- disseminates the herd, right? Too many wolves, not enough sheepdogs. Right, those the, things the, have to be kept yeah, in man, check. Yeah, man, kept in check, so... Uh, that's what they do, and that's that's kind of where he's going with that. And I, it, I mean,
3: in your concept about you know, it, it's 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 denial. I mean, he writes here: we know that the sheep live in denial. That is what they, that's what makes them sheep. They do not want to believe that there's evil in the world. They can accept the fact that fires can happen, which is why they have fire extinguishers, fire sprinklers, fire alarms, fire exits throughout their kids' schools. But many of them are outraged at the idea of putting an armed police officer in their kids' school. So. Put your money in a bank. It's about you, maintain
2: that balance. You put a cop, you put put fire alarms and, and police officers and vaults around your money, but you won't do that around your kid. <laughs> you know what I mean. Here, things are not a, or, or exactly not the most know, rational. We, we shouldn't have to. Yeah, at but I mean, know, just think about it that way. What's times. your most What's your most important gift? What's your most important treasure? So he uh, he definitely does a, a good job of explaining that. And then the guest we have coming on today, Adam. He 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 and um, and the doctor together, right in there their words of wisdom out on paper, so...
3: Yeah, they've written a book together, which kind of starts to bring this full circle in how those people who have to go out and deal with, and specifically we're focusing here on, and we have a lot of listeners who are law enforcement, first responders, but yeah. people that go out and deal with other people's shit, you know, deal with their problems, deal right. with the ugly stuff in society. That, the United States, we're fortunate enough to be isolated from, largely isolated from oh, that. Oh, man, the uh, fact
2: that you can pick up a, uh, a phone and, and dial... 911 and someone will come to help you is amazing.
3: <laughs> yeah. Think
2: about that. It's an amazing concept. If you get in the, trouble, you can you know dial It does not and Literally, work like that somebody for most you don't people know in the world will show up to help you.
3: Yeah, it does not work like that for most no, people in this Anywhere world.
2: else. No. Absolutely not.
3: Or ever at any time in history. <laughs> so, those people that have to deal with that, you know, this is where Adam's really focused and helping people deal with. There's a, let's see, There's a. I have a quote here by, Chuck Canterbury, who's the national president of the Fraternal Order of Police, he says, Our officers wear protective clothing and other equipment to keep themselves safe from physical harm. But these officers also face challenges to their mental health and well-being. Unlike many other professions, sometimes you can't leave the job at the office. How true is that?
2: Very true. It's just what you are. It's not what you do. I mean, in this kind of world, that's what that is. And everybody always gets down on them. we talk to everybody else around us about everything else around us except for when we have a problem because they think that denotes weakness. But it's not weakness, it's just that you're not trained in something that's just presented itself to you. So it's it's not a bad thing to ask your teammates for anything. Any kind of help. I mean, from helping with directions to get somewhere or helping you get get, get out of something. It's the same thing, man. And you just yeah do will be a, if they're you're truly your friends and then they're going to understand we're all human we all have to go through this stuff this stuff together so i uh i understand both sides of that
3: we've seen that numerous times on on this show that there's a time to reach out and that does not denote weakness no, no that not is at absolutely all. necessary um so but before we get into uh adam any further here, we we're gonna get some more description, but we gotta do some housekeeping, bud. So
2: okay, all right, to everybody out there, this is how you can pass along how to listen. You can stream directly from our website, tnqpodcast.com virtually any other podcast app, whether iPhone or Android, iTunes, Stitcher, Podyssey, Castbox, and Radio Public. They all they have us.
3: All right, for social media, you can uh, check us out. First stop for that is Team Never Quit. Of course, you can find that on all the major outlets. And then Instagram's a place where we put particular attention. <laughs> I guess I say that. That's uh, tongue-in-cheek right there, almost. But TNQ Podcast is the name of the show. Marcus Latrell is where you can find Marcus over there. And you can find myself at the underscore wizard underscore TNQ.
2: Or you can type in tnqpodcast.com and listen directly to all our current episodes, past and present. As a matter of fact, everyone from David Goggins, Mike Rowe, Missy Franklin, Dakota Meyer, Wahlberg. Love you, brother. Sir Robert Young Pelton, man, what a, I love Robert. that guy. Awesome, <laughs> <laughs> Charlie, Fli- Charlie Cap, Charlie Flug. Wow, man, what do you say about that dude? God dang Laird too, and Andre Agassi, brother, and many other incredible individuals that we've had a chance to have on here and listen to their stories. Man, we also have merchandise, anywhere from T-shirts to hats, so top to bottoms, guys and gals. Listeners write in stories. That's probably one of our best features on the on the website. Man, you click under that tab and under Write In Stories. And it has all of them in there. Check it out.
3: All right, so let's uh, let's get on to Adam Davis here and a little bit more specific information before we invite him on. Adam, a former police officer, author, and speaker, his mission is to help offer help and hope to those who walk the thin blue line, being familiar with the unique stresses and pressures of our law enforcement officers and first responders. Um, his personal history is he had many years on the police department in Dotham, Alabama. He did... When we asked him about this, he he'd, he'd done... It sounded like just about every position that was possible there, from day patrol, traffic, homicide. He was a hostage negotiator. He grew up there, um, and I think what eventually happened with him is the stress of the job really started catching up with him. He, he was, like many other officers, not properly equipped to deal with it. He had a crisis of faith, a crisis of family, a crisis of just his personal... Um, his a crisis of him being able to personally handle the day to day on the job, and that even drove him to the point of considering suicide. Um, he has been so out of that he was um, it, he was snatched back from that, I think you could possibly say or rescued from that uh, through his faith and a resurgence in in that he then wrote, uh, he's gone on to write some books about this, The 52 Devotions for Law Enforcement, Behind the Badge, uh, 365 Daily Devotions for Law Enforcement, and the one he penned with Dave Grossman called The Bulletproof Marriage. He's been featured on Law Enforcement Today, Police1.com, Fox News, The Huffington Post, CBN, The 700 Club. He also has a podcast called The Bulletproof Marriage Podcast.
2: From the sound of it, this guy's got all the intel we need from from marriage to um, security advice, so I can't can't wait to uh, hear what he has to say. Let's get him on.
3: Yeah, let's do it. All right, buddy, we got him. He's on the screen. He's going to be big.
2: Yeah, let's get him on. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. Let's start talking
3: to the man. Adam, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, we're ladies looking and forward gentlemen, to Adam conversation.
2: Davis. Thank you so much
1: yeah. for being here. Thank you all so much for having me today. Yeah, where
3: are, you, where are you calling us from, bud?
1: I'm calling you from Dothan, Alabama. We're about 90 minutes north of Panama City Beach, and it's a beautiful spring day. It's going to be 115 degrees before long, so we're enjoying this weather.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Is it
1: Roll Tide, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, oh, okay. Absolutely. <laughs> no <other> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, there was just a pause in the,
3: in the yeah, Skype. Yeah, that was a technical yeah, yeah. delay. He threw uh, that right back no out, out at me. There was no pause in like his condition that out. of that <laughs> whatsoever. Well, you know what, Adam? We uh, Before we get into the, the uh, meat of this thing, we like to do something called the yeah. Mad Minute, which is going to be uh, a series of questions to challenge your mental agility and stretch that... Uh, Uh, neuroplasticity, or just a bunch of silly nonsense, and we'll see how it goes. But uh, are you ready to participate in such a thing?
2: Let's rock and roll. All right, buddy.
3: Marcus, you want to kick this thing off?
2: Yeah, all right, brother. Favorite superhero?
1: Batman.
3: And why is that?
1: Because he represents the best and you don't always see him.
3: Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I dig Batman myself. I, I, I uh, what was, one the, the, the last Batman. Justice
2: League when the Flash was like, hey, what's your surprise? He's like, I'm rich. <laughs> 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 Dude, but he, he does, man. He represents the, the middle down the – because, look, we have the rules that we have to follow. A lot of people break them, and sometimes the rules help the, the people. I mean, if, if they manipulate them the wrong way, and then you got a guy who's trying to – Help out in any way you can. Plus, he's human. That, dude, when Superman picks him, him up by the one throat. The best he's vulnerable. In Justice League, when Superman had him and threw him off, he's like, oh, something's bleeding there on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely something's bleeding.
3: <laughs> All right. Let's go with uh, what are a couple movies, TV shows, book, whatever you've seen you've been into lately or you thought was particularly interesting?
1: Oh, man. Listen, I was just out in Texas a few weeks ago and had a conversation with a retired Texas Ranger. And so that put me on huh. to doing a little research in Bonnie and Clyde and Frank Hammer. And so I watched The Highway. Love with that. Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson. Yep. Absolutely awesome. That was a great movie. And uh, I always loved Blue Blood for obvious reasons, being a former cop. Yep. And, uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't really watch a lot. I listen to a lot of audio books and read a ton. And, but those are my... If I'm watching something, those are kind of the the genre I'm in.
2: I tell you what, I had the I, I don't say they caught the flu. The flu caught me last week, and uh, I man, it was a good <laughs> one too. bro. down. So someone gave me the hot tip on that Highway Men show, and it's it's really good. Yeah, I mean, I you really, guys, guys do edits, a great job yeah, it is. Yeah, they, that, they, they do, do a great job of that. Matter of fact. I got a a book in my library that was sent to me. A, a, a Texas Ranger went around and got every Texas Ranger he could find. Some of them are dead now. To sign it, and it, it's just a it's just a history of the mm-hmm. you know we're talking about the history mm-hmm. of the Texas Rangers in there. And yeah. um, every mm-hmm. year I try to send it to the academy to get all the guys to to sign it because man, those Texas Rangers that's a lonesome does probably the best western. It is the best western ever made, hands down. But I, I in Absolutely. my in my opinion, but those. Man, it was kind of like the first SF unit to come out. Those guys were amazing. There's a they, they're still amazing. Don't get me guys, wrong, but incredible. their history is is twice as cool as, as any other <laughs> I've ever come across. Man, including ours,
3: dude.
2: <laughs> it's something. Those
1: Rangers. Yeah, they are awesome. They are yeah. the American cowboys. They, yeah, that's it, they're man. good to go. Thank Great you guys choice. for Great what choice. you
3: do. Seriously, we need to try to get a uh, Texas Ranger. Yeah, oh, absolutely. All right,
2: what do you got? I mean, you know they got to be cool. Chuck Norris played him. Right, I mean, Chuck, Chuck doesn't <laughs> right? mess around, dude I mean. <laughs> That's what I said <laughs> oh <my
1: God. clears throat> Alright, what was your first car? Oh my god Can you ask me what my third car was? What sure. was your uh, third car? Just kidding. My first car, I think it was a joke from my dad uh, It was a Buick Riviera Awesome What's <laughs> two the matter door? with that? Like, Two-door, just the
3: cruiser, right? Nothing wrong with a no, giant Buick <laughs> Riviera? <laughs> what year?
1: Beautiful velvet interior, right? Like a red velvet, crushed velvet. Eighty-five.
2: yeah crushed velvet interior. It was yeah. the love machine, man. Right, my buddy drove one just like that, man, <laughs> and it was the most comfortable thing. It, it, when those, because those crushed velvet, like, that seat leans back, right? I mean, that's why you ride like that. Like you got that, that that sideways lean because the, the AC works on that side.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's, that shit works as a yeah, a good insulating was, uh, layer too. I bet that, that was not cool for- in the summer. Oh man!
2: First cars are supposed to be like that. If you roll up in a Lamborghini or Ferrari yeah. or BMW, that doesn't count. Your first
1: car. Well, my. Yeah, but you want it to be American muscle, right? That's supposed to be the first car. Like my third car was a Camaro. So I mean, we were getting better progressively. But. It was a yeah, new one, or I don't see anything wrong with it. What year model Camaro? Uh, I think it was like a '95 or something. Oh, okay, so new. Uh, it, I, got it. I mean, it would. And they, but I got a sixty eight Mustang
2: downstairs that man I, I it's my That's brother nice. had, had it made for me, man. That, that thing is so I, I stare at it every day.
3: Yep. All right, let's go with another one. Uh if you could pick a mentor, anyone in history or alive today that you'd want to spend a month with as a personal mentor, who would it be? Anyone in history?
1: Oh my goodness. Uh just really? Uh man, I've got several you know, I, and this is just really bringing it down to reality. For the past year, uh, I've been working with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman and mm-hmm. co-authoring some books with him. And he's been mentoring me. So I'm literally living on the dream that most, a lot of cops would love to have. I mean, they'd love to have a phone call with him every week and, and him sharpening you on, on your skills and on who you are and challenge you. I, I think i got to go with that. Maybe because it's reality, but if I had a dream, uh, I'm going to go with Nick Saban. Yeah, and that's because of the leadership that he brings. I mean, mm-hmm. he is he is an absolutely fantastic leader. Uh, when I was policing, I had an opportunity to, to spend some time with him. And, man, he is a sharp, sharp individual, very sharp.
2: Hey, he's a great guy. I got a chance to go in and uh, talk to the Bama football team. And beforehand, I went up to the hangout yeah. in, the, in the office of him. Uh-huh. I had to go through more security checkpoints to get to him than I did the president. <laughs> He runs a real tight ship up there. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> hey, he's great though. He is, man. He is. Yeah. He is a. Um, yeah. He is the absolute general when it comes to call, running the show up there, man. Mm. That guy knows what he's doing. It's it's truly something. Oh yeah. And Doc Grossman, he's the one to put me back together every time I get my wig split open or, or <laughs> yeah. my bones knocked out of my body.
3: We yeah. had him on the show a couple of years ago too. <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, he is. Uh, he squared away. We just finished our second book together. Did you? And uh, that's my fifth. Yeah, it's, it was the hardest one I've ever written. It was based on the book uh, that he's written. You probably read on combat.
2: Sure. Oh, we have uh, to.
1: Yeah, we wrote a, a spiritual. Warfare. Yeah, yeah, we wrote a spiritual warfare book based on that, and man, tying t- t- the psychology and the physiology and all the science and all the data into that, and running parallels with the fate side of things. It was tough, but man, that book is going to rock some world because it's going to open some doors hmm. and some eyes and help you see things for what they really are.
2: Oh yeah, when you're rolling with Jesus, you don't have to worry about learning all the psychology and all that every other part. Man, it's just pure confidence right there. <clears throat> when you're not, when you don't have that pure faith inside of you, right. like <laughs> most of us do, that's when you got to come up with all everything else to keep you getting through it, like the <laughs> the shortcuts, the that's right. the superstitions, that's right. and and the training, everything really.
1: Hmm.
3: But What's this book going to be called? Right. And when's it coming out?
1: It's going to be called On Spiritual Combat. Mm-hmm. On Spiritual Combat and uh, it'll release in the spring of 2020. Um, it was originally supposed to be like 36,000 words. Oh. Uh, that yeah. was just my part. Good and Lord. then Colonel Grossman coming in and added about <laughs> yeah. 36,000 more.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, son. Watch out. You got
1: to do it like this. <laughs> Move over, young grasshopper. Yeah, yeah. We have yeah, right. Oh, yeah, it's, it's good. It's you're, good. Be you're good, you're doing well. You're
2: like me, but you know, just yeah, not me yet. You're slower and <laughs> he's got a <laughs> he's got a unique way of talking to you. He's great. <laughs> I I never had a problem, ever.
3: <laughs> All right, let's go with another one. Um this is gonna make you think a, a bit. Give us one legal thing that you would choose to make illegal or one illegal thing you would choose to make
1: legal? Uh, let's see, stupidity should be illegal, like straight <laughs> up. Seriously, Good um, luck eliminating um, I think that's, that we could that's reduce like a, a lot of answer. our world's problems <laughs> <laughs> and eliminate a lot of issues if we could just say this is a crime and you're going to go away. Um, I think that if there was anything that we would make that, that's currently uh, you know, legal, you know, illegal that we would repeal. You know, I don't know. I mean, there, there's some there's some issues. You know, obviously, you would think that some of the hot topic issues would be it, but not not really. Uh, hmm. I think that uh, in in a lot of places where they're fighting to take away our right to to carry firearms, um, I think that that would be because when you leave law enforcement and you walk into the private sector, there's a there's a big change. You know, and you don't hmm. have that, authority to carry anymore Mm -hmm. so i think that would be one of the biggest things that would be you know hey let every law-abiding citizen carry a firearm and i can't believe we're having to talk about that i mean but you know so many um but you know it is what it is and i think that if there's anything that we could do we would absolutely protect that with everything we have and fight to to, you know to make that to make that an easier process uh for every law-abiding citizen in Mm -hmm. america i mean you know, there's there's some places that are saying, you know, hey, if you got some signs of post traumatic stress as a cop, then, then we're going to take your firearm. And you know, there's some certain departments that are talking about that right now in the news. And and I just I don't think that that's right. I don't think that should be a, a, a punishment for doing your job and doing it well. So mm-hmm. I think that number one thing is protecting our right to carry farms, Period. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's some laws against it. Whether you know they they don't come out straight up with a law that says hey, you cannot carry a firearm. But there's certain there's certain ways that can dress that mm-hmm. up and make it really difficult. And, uh, mm-hmm. or if you go an establishment and have it, you know, just, I think protect that right. Yeah. Well, they come so out many... from oblique
3: bleak angles, trying to create these restrictions that eventually right. whittle away at that. Right. The one but... thing
1: you don't ever
2: mess with is the foundation this is written on, right. The constitution. Correct. And it's just don't ever mess with that. I think I shouldn't even come up for debate, you know, unless, unless it's some kind of a grievous silly thing with on the foundation yep. of it. But there are so many rules and regulations on firearms that don't even, there's thousands of them, man, that that, that people want to be applied, but either they don't do it or it's an old, it, basically what it boils mm-hmm. down to, man, is to just sit down and those of us who are advocates for guns, and which most of the time people who advocate guns advocate gun control. We don't want an idiot, you know, I mean, there's, trust me, there are people that don't need to have a firearm in their hand. I have to go through a background check every time there I buy know. a weapon, that's, that's just. I mean, I didn't know that that wasn't a thing. I, I'm pretty sure everyone has to do that, as you should. Just, you got to register yep. your car. I mean, anything that someone has to be trained in that, that could potentially hurt somebody, you might want to keep a leash on it, at, at the very least. Moreover, the, yeah. it, most importantly, is training. The biggest thing we as police officers and in the military, what we do is safety I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You can't even put a round in that thing yeah. before you know every component, of it, how to break it down, clean it. where where business end is all that. Right. You know that thing so well, and that's man, that's safety. And the, the, the oh, most actually. dangerous thing on the planet is an undisciplined human mind. So, like, I don't like snakes, but <laughs> I, we have them out here, so I know how to deal with them if I come across them. So if you, it's basically just getting trained in as many things <laughs> that could possibly hurt hurt you. You train your kids to protect themselves in every capacity when they're at home, eat. Drink, you know, get dressed. I mean, if there's something out there that can hurt them, you teach them about it.
3: Well, and the other aspect of this, Adam, Bob, particularly for you, and we might get into this later, is that you know that's a primary tool in the uh, being able to to go by a sheepdog mentality. Which you probably expand on that a little bit further. But let's uh, let's get one oh, yeah. one more question <laughs> here. Um, wait, whose turn is it? It's your turn? Or my turn? Uh, go ahead. It's my turn. Go ahead. All right, let's go with. Uh, <laughs> no, we're not gonna do that one. <laughs> um, what was the worst job you ever had?
1: Uh, yeah, in high school, like uh, uh, I became a sophomore. My dad said well, you can choose to continue doing all these things, or you can get a job, or you know, and uh, have a car. <laughs> so I think my first job was uh, was working with an AC company. Uh, very small company. The man's passed away now, but uh, my job I went into all the attics in the summertime and oh, all the crawl spaces and going. I've never been a real tall person. But that job really sucked. Uh, but I think probably the worst job of my entire life was working in a bank in high school as part of co-op. Um, that absolutely sucked. It was horrible. I, I'm not a sit inside the bank type of person. Uh, it was miserable. And uh, I never ever want to
2: go back. Yeah, I, I would have been looking at you. I'd have never. A banker wasn't the first thing that popped into my head.
3: <laughs> no, it could be tough doing uh, like a, a tedious job or one where you can't. Some people just gotta move around. I'm one of those people. And oh, I would uh, not yeah, be good we, at it. Yeah, yeah, we know you are. <laughs> no, God bless the people who are right.
2: Yeah, I mean that's why right. we're all different. Everyone everybody's unique, right? If you boil it all the way back to the hunter and gatherers, right? I mean it's still inside of us. Some of us just yeah. can't right. sit around and do that. Luckily, thank God there's people who get out and go on the move, and hunt and yeah. fish and feed and all that.
3: You got one more, bud?
2: Yeah, one more. All right, brother, movie character you'd like to play out in real life.
3: Oh. You already yeah. used the highwayman, so that one's out.
1: That's good good show. <laughs> yeah. that's a great
3: movie. If, if I would people go back have seen
1: and say, that uh, Texas Rangers man. back when. <laughs> <laughs> Um I don't know, man. I uh let's see. Oh gosh, that's tough. Um let's just go with uh Rocky. How about that? Ah
2: Love that
3: one. All right. I mean who doesn't love Rocky? Man.
1: I <laughs> bet you were gonna go with
3: Robocop.
2: <laughs> dude i tried i looked up uh robocop was on tv the other day that's why i brought that up i tried to uh look up his pistol that he has uh-huh. uh have you ever you know what that is it's actually a, a real gun it's a beretta i can never remember the number on it. it's I'll, I'll look it up but it's, they had one for sale it was like three million dollars it's an automatic pistol i'll look it up <laughs> yeah it's a bit steep are you
1: talking about
2: the original Robocop? I don't that's a good question. I it must have been.
3: I'm not familiar enough to comment on this. You've never seen Robocop? <laughs> I don't think I've actually ever watched the movie.
2: All right. Stop stop the interview.
3: <laughs> stop it! <laughs> we we'll put it on the big screen while we'll all three watch it.
2: <laughs> while, while we're doing the uh, interview. <laughs> Good Lord, son.
3: All right, we're going to close it out with this one. Who would win in a fight to the death, a one-foot-tall gorilla or a domestic house cat?
1: Oh, man, a house cat. Oh, my God. Ever been
3: in a fight with a cat? That's horrible. Right? That's my my thing. All right, all right, well... (laughs) Well, as fun as this is, we uh, really the reason why people <laughs> come to we think the reason why they come and listen to us is because they're able to pull some inspirational points from well, more than inspiration, lessons learned, inspiration It depends on what they need, motivation to keep going through what they're dealing with, and yeah, we would love to hear from you, you know, uh, about your you know greatest never quit story and just what uh, what our listeners can glean from that in the, in the wisdom that you have to put down.
2: Yeah. We all go through our trials in our life, man. And and even though the situation may be different, man, going through it and pain and chaos, it's absolutely a matter of perspective of the person who's going through it and Mm -hmm. the situation. We all handle things differently, but
1: how you get through it is the most important thing. um, Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give, give my ultimate never quit moment, but I'm going to give just a few seconds worth of a backstory. Sure. Um, I grew up in a in a pastor's home and thought I had, like, some strong faith. I thought I'd square away. I wasn't like a crystal clean Christian or nothing. I still screwed up a bunch. But I thought I had strong faith going into my career in law enforcement. When I went into my career in law enforcement, I went into it with plans to retire. to climb as high as I could, I wanted to do everything. Um, and somewhere, I don't know, maybe halfway through, um, I had done a lot of work. Had a lot of fun and uh, and found myself becoming a pretty pretty bitter person and uh, uh, really hard to get along with, according to my wife and others. And, uh, and so I, I got to the point to where I really, you know, I, I couldn't come home and talk to my wife. I couldn't talk to friends because all my friends had split, which is pretty, you know, customary. Most of the people that you were friends with before you put on a badge uh, they're going to dip after you put the badge on. You're not going to hear from them unless they need you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, you, you know wanna, you want to explain I a mean, little not, bit,
3: little bit more why why that is for people listening.
1: I think it's yeah. I think it may be a little bit of intimidation. I think it's because there is a little bit of a change that occurs, whether for the good or bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just you're not to the point where you want to put up with any bullcrap anymore. And, uh, and if they're doing some of that, then they know you're not going to want to have any part of it. And and then too, you're just busy. My God, man. I mean, and, and if you have a family, you don't have time for all the stuff. And so, uh, I think, I think, you know, it's something on both sides of the fence, you know, it's a two way street, but, uh, for me, uh, you know, in the culture, you're not supposed to really talk about your problems. You're not supposed to talk about the stuff you're dealing with because it's an indication that you're weak or you got a, uh a weak link in the chain or something and then you're ostracized and mm-hmm. and so I was that way and so I shut down and I just I began to question my faith and I literally got to the point to where I spent several months questioning what I believed all my life growing up which was my foundation for even existing mm-hmm. and um I got to a point man I was drinking all the time and you know I was like a lot and every day and um hmm. And when we'd get together for squad parties or whatever, conferences, it was a competition of who could drink the most, and I would, like, run to the finish line. And uh, And I'll never forget um, sitting in my patrol car one night and just really just down and out. And, and I had battle thoughts of suicide, and I've talked about that openly. Mm. And I, had, I battled thoughts of suicide, I battled thoughts. I mean, I was depressed like crazy and still getting up, putting my boots on, putting my gear on, and going to do my work. And um, But it was affecting more than just me. It was affecting my wife. It was affecting my beautiful kids. It was affecting my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, I didn't. I didn't quit. I was ready to quit. I was ready to say, you know, screw it all. What's the purpose of even doing this? I mean, well, you're going to work 25 years and have to get a part-time job after I'm done just to just to make ends meet. Why? Why should I continue doing this? You know, you got people who don't give a crap about you. Why should I keep going? And and then something, something clicked. Um, and, and instead of ending it all, I decided to dig a little deeper in my faith and understand why I believe what I believe. And I just got to a point today that, you know, to to a point one day where I I, I said verbally in my police car, I said, OK, God, I said, I, I can't figure you out. I can't prove you. I can't, I can't lay any of this out and I can't make sense of everything going on around me, but I believe in you because I choose to believe in you. And, um, if you'll show me the way, man, I'll go. And if you'll just make it clear, I'll go. And, and, um, I have had, I've told that story a number of times and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think that that's probably my ultimate never quit moment, that moment right there, because, Instead of ending it, I chose to continue fighting. And, you know, I don't know that I had that before I got into law enforcement. I really don't. I don't know that I had that before I became a cop. There was something that still in me in training. There was something that still in me day after day, mile after mile, push-up after push-up, pull-up after pull-up. Something that was instilled in me by my trainers who were all from the military that said, you know, you are absolutely not a quitter even when I wanted to quit. And so I've had other cops that reach out to me all across the country. They'll private message me because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to flip them. You know, I'm not going to turn them in for nothing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they reach out and I, I'm able to help them, but just as a peer. But for me, it was turning to my faith, a faith that I questioned and faith that I doubted. Now, I'm not a lily white Christian. I, you know, I go and I, I'm a preacher. Um, I, I'm just a guy who, who wants to help others who are ready to quit uh, dig back in and, and find the help they need to keep fighting. So that was, that was for me. It, it was a moment of question my faith and ultimate total surrender to God and doing whatever you want me to do. And that led to writing books. And here I am today.
3: Amen. <laughs> well, can we, uh, why don't we go, can we get, get <laughs> back? No, no, no. That, that's really, there's, a bunch of questions that are running through my head, but can we, can we back up a hair and go a little deeper into, uh, the development that yeah, where the process, the road that took you into that crisis point and how that developed a little yeah. bit more. And then maybe after that, we can, uh, dig, get, get a little closer into the, the nitty gritty on, on yeah. how you turned, you know, j- just that whole process.
1: I understand. Yeah. So leading up to that, you know, uh, you know, we hear the term sheepdogs a lot. Mm-hmm. And we we often look at ourselves in some image of that as cops or anybody who's willing to stand between evil. Uh, but cops are, if you've ever worked with canines, if you've ever seen, you know, military canines, law enforcement canines, cops are a lot like those canines. Uh, if you put a pack of dogs together, we're going to, nip each other we're going to and it's not because we hate each other we're going to nip you mm-hmm. to to root out the weak one to sharpen each other and keep us on our heels and that's sort of how our culture is and there's nothing wrong with that uh i think that's very important thread of our culture i think we can relate uh, to that. but for me yeah
2: it has to be that way
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. for, for me it was um it was seeing the it was seeing the kids um it was seeing the 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 innocent um that are just mauled and mangled and, and attacked. And, and, you know, the first couple of calls, it was like, man, this, you know, this is just part of the job. This is just what, you know, this is why I'm here. And, um, and then you see the justice system fail in different ways. That's a whole other segment. Um, uh, but for me, it was just allowing, and, and this is totally on me because I didn't know at the time mm-hmm. it was allowing all of the experiences that I had, to layer up and layer up and stack up and stack up and so as a as a man i was supposed to push all that stuff down and keep suppressing it and not talk to anybody about it you just don't want to come home and tell your wife everything that you see and of uh and, and and i didn't um and so i allowed it to just kind of build up until one day i mean it's got to go somewhere man i mean you mm-hmm. it's got to go somewhere and uh and that's i think that's where it came from it, it just all boiled up and I started saying, you know, if God loves man, if God loves mankind, if God loves us, if it even exists, why in the crap is all this stuff going on? You know, I mean, there is so much violence in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Colonel Grossman to tell you, our medical technology is keeping people alive at a rate that if we were if we had the same medical technology today that we did in the 70s, our murder, mm-hmm. our you know, homicide rate would be astronomical. It, it's not higher than what it is because of our medical technology. And so it was just seeing all the stuff and questioning and allowing the the stuff I'd seen and experienced to stack up and not dealing with it properly because I didn't know how to deal with it properly. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that's I think that's what sort of led me to that, that point.
2: How, how old are you now? 37.
1: 37?
2: Oh. Man, that's... It's those moments we go through in the beginning part. You know, just got to think about like gold is forged in fire, right? Our most precious stones are, fo- they're, they, they, they're forged out of pressure. And the, yep. the first part of this, the, you know, like the first 40 years is supposed to be in darkness. It's like training, right? It's just a test. <laughs> like every situation and scenario that you've been placed in up to this point was training for what's ahead of you. Just think about it. If you could do it like this, like before we came down here, if you wrote out your story, Right, and we're you're down here playing it out now. You wouldn't have all good times in there, especially because you know what you're made of on the inside. And a lot, everyone has a sin wrapped up inside of them, right? And when you, you get your willpower, and that's your choice whether or not you can you either abuse your sin. Like if it's wrath, and you hurt people, you're abusing it. But if you take wrath and you use it to help people from wrath, then oh yeah, it's it becomes a virtue, and. It's just everything that you, you kind of it's it's tough in the beginning, you don't know what's going on, you know especially if you have faith right it's it's like why why is this a, but you know it says it right there in the training manual that it's supposed to be hard, you know, and those are, mm-hmm. there wouldn't be anything you got yourself put that was thrown in front of you that you couldn't handle. that's not how it works. you can't right. handle it there's a lot of times of situations fear comes from the unknown, you don't know what you're dealing with right or what and but if you're getting the kind of the heebie-jeebies and your hair stand up on the back of your neck, it means you just need to look at it and, and and see what's happening. But and take your time. Everybody gets in a rush to do everything. It's just like it's slow as smooth, smooth as fast. We say that all the time. And just like with everything else, you learn to do coming up. I mean, that's the same thing. We were everyone was you didn't know how to dress yourself or do any of that. But after time, it's it's practice. And the more you do it, the more it becomes natural to you. And that's with anything, anything in life. I, Wizard, and I tell people all the time, like, we're not heroes, man. Hero stands for humanity's ever evolving one. It means one day someone's yep. gonna, you're gonna get put in a situation that you're not ready for, that you're not trained for, and you, you you go anyways and just see what happens. And that identifies you as a hero. Being SEALs, we're literally specialists at everything almost in the sea, air, and land. Trained ourselves out of being heroes. We just do our jobs. Yep. Um, and you get to that point now where you understand a little bit what, what's happening. You see both sides of it. Like I say, from zero to 40, you just have an opinion. 40 to 60, you have perspective, and then wisdom drops in after that. And another thing people get in a hurry about, it, like you get out of college, you want to get a house, cars, dog, kids, all mm-hmm. that. It's basically the stuff that you're supposed to acquire throughout life. If the first 40 years are supposed to be an adventure and you strap all the treasure down you know, right there in the beginning, then you're just going to have to defend it. But if you spend your whole life going out there and, and and earning it, right? I mean that kind of that just like you that's said, good. wizard man, that, that adventurous spirit. You learn more about yourself out in the world, around all of our people, than you do back at, in one spot sitting mm-hmm. there, just you know, looking at the same thing every day. Yeah, that's for sure. Not supposed to work that way. Variety is a spice of life. It's what makes everything beautiful. And what you do, anytime a police <laughs> look, you got to know on your face. Most people don't like dealing with other people's crap, right? So, anybody who's willing to put on a uniform and put a badge on and come over and help you out with your problems—I mean, think about that. (laughs) That's why it's so uh, important for us to treat our law enforcement with as much respect as as they deserve and they've earned, right? And you know, people abuse it. And every clique, every little society, every little whatever has their own. It's we're all humans, right? We come from the same family, and it's just like some of us are some of them are bad. Then you got some of the real. It's the love of the opposites. Very rarely are you just going to have everything <laughs> solid. <laughs> you got to have that mm-hmm. one, that one throw off, right? You need them. It, it, yep. it keeps everything sharp. Like if you look at every person in your life as a stone, as you go through life, they're either going to dull you or they're going to sharpen you. And our ladies, they polish us out, right? So if you're somewhere <laughs> and you're starting to get dulled out, man, look around the the and check out the people you're standing with because there's a lot of them out there, and that's, that's the coolest part about, about this whole thing. And you're right, you know, you, when you strap on a uniform, it's, it's not by design. I'm, I'm fortunate, I still have the same friends I've had since kindergarten, but you just move into a different life. Once you throw that skin on, all right, that forever uniform, police officer, firefighter, first, any first responders, that's, that's a forever uniform because everyone, someone's gotta always rotate into it. That's what keeps this place going. You put all those, those uniforms together, you get camouflage. We're the ones that defend it and we're we're guilty. I heard you say, man, you know guys in our line we don't talk about it because you, know, you don't go to medical <laughs> like you need to go to medical get that checked out like why, man, I'm fine, dude it's good you know I don't, want, I don't want my it's not the the not embarrassed. I think it's just the fact that you just you don't want to get pulled off the line.
3: Well, it tends to okay. run I think it tends to run contrary to what is typically seen as the characteristics necessary to do the job well. But you said some a second ago. I got a piece of advice a long time ago that said that, <clears throat> you know, um, from somebody that I was employed by, and they said, you know, whatever you go forward and do in life, find something to do where you're dealing with happy people. You don't want to be fixing people's problems all the time. Now, I'm not saying that's a good piece, of, not necessarily a good piece of advice, but there's a truth in that. It's hard dealing with people yeah. who are having problems every day. And as you were talking and going through – um, I also heard you talk about resilience and how important that is. And I think, so the hanging question now is, how does someone in that line of work, how do they become resilient? How do they maintain the endurance in a healthy manner to to do that work? Because God knows it's important work.
1: Yeah, it's, um, I was talking to a, to a doctor this week. Uh, we put together some programs for the Bulletproof Marriage book that Colonel Grossman and I did. Mm-hmm. And um, we were talking about how people read books, uh, how they go through training, but often they don't operationalize much information. There's so much training out there uh, on building a resilient mind, making yourself uh, strong in every area, um, but there's just some crap you got to just work through it. And I think the the biggest thing there, the little piece that that I could. That I think that I used throughout my whole story was applying what I actually learned. Uh, too often we just, you know, we learn it and we throw it to the back. And, and when I started actually applying what I learned and what I knew and what I believed in Mm -hmm. and not just talking about it, then it started changing things. So yeah, the resiliency is, is oftentimes just what we've learned, what we believe is rooted in what we believe ultimately. And then when we start applying it and really walking in it, as opposed to just talking about it, it, it starts changing things. Um, Can you get some specifics that on made,
3: that? Some specifics on well, what those yeah, things I,
1: yeah, um, I, you Yeah, know, I thought that fate made me weak as a man and as a warrior. I thought that, you know, as mm-hmm. a cop, if I was a, a man of fate, that I would be passive and, and, you know, and that wasn't the case. And so it was just looking at what I believed. And when I realized the truth about fate, and then I started studying how it could help me, um, it it started flipping the script for me a little bit and and started making me a little bit more, um, uh, more resilient. And because it was, it was something that was beyond me. It was something that was beyond serving myself. I was no longer serving myself. I was no longer worrying about what other people thought about me. And, and uh, it was, it was understanding that I was doing something for others and that I had brothers around me, and uh, we were in this together. And so, um, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the resiliency part came from what's here, mm-hmm. but also what's here, what's here in your heart, what's here in your mind. And um, you got to believe in something. You got to believe in something bigger than yourself. If this is all I got to believe in, I'm screwed, like big time. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it, it's tied mm-hmm. to what you ultimately believe in. Faithless, you
2: understand who you are and what you are. I mean, it kind of takes everything uh, else out of the picture. I mean, you know, we tell each other we got problems, and this is a problem, and that's what you are, and this is But, I mean, if you kind of understand your baseline and what you're made of and where you come from and who's watching out for you, then uh, the rest is kind of a,
3: an adventure. That baseline, exactly. Yeah, Everybody I mean, it's a an adventure you go out, and that on. first
2: part, I mean, like I said, <laughs> you're still trying to figure out what – it's tough, man. Life is tough. Uh, there's no, no doubt about that, right? And as you go through it, the obstacles that are put in front of you there are designed for a reason to keep you at certain places in your life for certain periods of time until you, pay to, yeah. until you start paying attention. I mean, we don't have any more mm-hmm. written tests till uh, once you get out of school. There's only the hard times. And each one of those <laughs> kind of drive you in a certain direction until eventually what happens is that you, you, you pick it up. And then once you pick yeah. it up, you, you, and you got, there's that calm, right? They got a calm before the storm, and you realize what's, what's happening, what's really going on around here. And then you, you kind of say, All right, man, maybe it's coming upon me to start giving back. Cause obviously somebody gave this to me. And if they were willing okay. to take the time to pass all this stuff into my head, or the least I can do is, you know, help them out, help, help the ones coming after me.
1: Mm mm-hmm. Good. Well, yeah. it's selfish yeah, not to do think- that, right? I, I think that for for me it was uh wanting to do something that i wanted to do something that lasted and maybe this is egotistical i, I don't know I, don't, I really don't give a crap but i wanted to do something that lasted longer than my lifespan i wanted to do something bigger than me and and, and law enforcement allowed me to do that but there was a man who once told me there's only two ways that we can immortalize immortalize ourselves and that's through a written book or uh through knowing through our faith in Christ, and so uh, I've been married since I was eighteen. Uh, Congratulations to the same woman. Yeah, you Alabama yeah. boys. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> hey, listen. I thought I knew it all. I thought I knew it all. I was. I, I have made some really stupid decisions in my life. That's not one of them. Oh, but I made mom. some really stu- stupid decisions in my life that have that have cost me. But um, man. Uh, you know, talking about the whole—you know—you're supposed to do this, and I didn't go to college until I was in my late twenties, and I was the first person in my family to ever go to college and graduate with a four-year degree, and I'm not even using it like at all. Um, but that's Man, what you're but it looks cool on do, that right? wall, doesn't it? To to <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> hey, yeah, it's an expensive piece of paper, right. but whatever. So <laughs> yeah, yeah right. just don't quit believing yourself and believing something higher. So yeah, that's uh, that's good.
3: Well, you had talked about um, not having an outlet. I, I keep, we keep going back to the initial story that you were running through, but there's so many avenues in that. Um, we, we, we touched on, on, on sort of recovering from uh, digging yourself out of the hole and finding some resiliency and how to do that. But you had talked about not having an outlet for the buildup of all these things that you're cumulatively coming in and experiencing on the street day to day. Did you find that? Do you, know, did you find an effective means to?
1: Yeah, it, um, as, as good as the, as good as the alcohol tasted at the time, that was not the proper outlet. Right. Um, and, um, uh, for me, it. and this is really weird, but sitting down and I've, I've written things that nobody in this world has ever read. And it mm-hmm. was stuff that I sat down when I'd come home. i take my vest off. i take my duty belt off and I just sit there. And to start dumping stuff out and just unloading it. And uh, it was mainly because of the culture that we've created in a lot of our departments. that says, if you talk about this, you know, you're you're weak or fill in, the, fill in the blank of however you want to call that. You know, um, and we have to create a culture that says we are supposed to be brothers and this is supposed to be a brotherhood. And if you're dealing with some crap, you need to come and sit down. Let's have a beer. Let's have a cup of coffee, whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. And let's talk through it. Let's talk about it. Dump it out. Lay it out and get through it. But instead, we've created cultures of isolation where we're having to walk through it on our own. So, yeah, I found it. Um, I'm thankful that I have some very dear friends who have been in law enforcement for probably longer than I've been alive who called and said, hey, what's up? And, uh, between that and starting to write, those were my, those were my outlets, you know, and, you know, I, I tried to find pastors to talk to and, um, and, and there were some really good pastors with really well-meaning intentions, but they just mm-hmm. didn't get what we were going through. They didn't get the stories and they couldn't handle of some of the stuff we were talking about. And so, uh, I, I think it was important to, to create some outlets and so, um, uh, there were, you know, it, it's important to find an outlet, man. And it's find a healthy, a uh, productive outlet, um, uh, because there can be some negative outlets. There can be some bad outlets that lead to, to, lead to bad consequences. So, uh, healthy outlets and getting rid of that stuff is important. That's
2: what I started doing, writing. And, and you mm-hmm. talk, talk to the pastors and preachers and, you know, they, they understand up to what they're allowed to understand. Sometimes you think you're just talking over them or talking through them or whatever, but I, it's just it's kind of, huh. you got to think that most of them, I mean, it's, look at what you're dealing with. Same way with doctors and lawyers, anybody. It's always look at the person. You never actually know what you're dealing with. The person who graduates last and is in med school is still a doctor. It's if you, you know, you'll know when you see them, man. When it's, you're just talking about it, when you're, we do create a society where we, we don't talk to, the guys rel- or that are in our reality, right, so to speak, is the ones we go to day to day, because yep. we don't ever want them to think that we're having a problem, can't figure this out. But we well,
3: don't want to show weak, showing weakness, yeah, yeah right, and vulnerability. Yeah, runs seems to run contrary to the culture. It
2: does. Right? But I think yeah. that's a cool part about our generation and what's happened to us man is you know we we've been through so much stuff together and eventually life has a way of shoving you around to to whatever you need right and you'll find somebody to talk to you about yeah. this stuff is on the same kind of playing field it's all relative to time I mean and time and once yeah. you it's also once you get to the point where you can start teaching this stuff and 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 you're giving back you have to talk about it right I mean that it's funny when we're in the moment in the young profession part of it, when you're driving, he's like, man, no, just, just, just get the damn car right. Let me drive. <laughs> you know what I mean? But when you have the driver's ear and you're in the, in the pit crew and you're, and you're calling the shots, man, you need to know that that person can listen and they can hear what you're trying to say and, and that they can uh, assimilate in the car and make this thing work right. That's, that's what it all boils down to what we do, and that's a team environment. I mean that's what makes us so proficient at what we do. We talk. We talk about everything else, but but if you're having a little problem, if you get stuck somewhere, and that's. I think that's why some of the guys get married. You know, I mean, you're, you're lucky enough to have one of those. Uh, one of our ladies <laughs> pull you pull you in. There's something truly really right. You found yours. Eighteen. I, I had to, you know, Lord kept mine from me for a while, but it. Uh, it. <laughs> I think to the younger guys out there, seriously, man. It, uh if you're having some problems with something, don't be embarrassed to talk to your teammate about it because all that is, it's not a weakness, man. It's just probably something, it, well, it is something you're not trained in. It's an emotion that you get. I mean, we all get emotions and everything we have to step into in yep. training and we talk about it. We talk about everything else. Right. All I always looked at, it like, I just didn't pick up that part. If I was having a problem, like oh, I didn't pick that piece up when everybody else did. And you know what I mean? So if mm-hmm. they know something that I don't, then, then I ask them, I'm like, Hey man, what, what, how, how are you dealing with that part? Yeah. And then if if it's, if it's like, man, that was dumb, (laughs) you know, it's like, that's not going to help me at all. Or, or you, or you never know, man. They, 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 they may have it figured out really well. I mean, some of our guys do, you know, man, they pick that stuff up so fast. It's not even funny. Like, how do you get that like that, man? Like, I don't know, dude, I just do.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, Adam, uh, I I mean, I think it's been established that the benefit of forming some support with the men or women that you're working with as a first responder or whatnot is critical but it's not necessarily that easy. Do you have any, you know, how um, given advice as far as how someone goes about the practicality of putting that together? How to approach, you know, the yep. other other people you're working with.
1: Yep. Um, I don't know how they are across the country, but most departments they have zones or sectors or wards or whatever. That's how they break their city up into pieces,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: they assign officers and deputies to work that. Most of the time, most of the time, uh, you're assigned with a zone partner, um, who's going to work with you in that most of the time you're going to have a very, very tight relationship. Man, every once in a while, you don't have to make this like, you know, kumbaya or nothing, but every once in a while, ask your partner who you're serving with, who you are regularly going through doors together with. Right. Ask them. I hey mean, are are you okay? How's the family? How you doing? Are you you know? Is there anything we'll talk about? We're good. Or take the first step and say, "Hey, can I talk to you about something?" And um, I mean, you know, if if you trust them enough to stack up and go into a building um, or, or deal with some something on the street, you know that you can you can trust them. Uh, I think that that's one of the biggest problems is because there's a perspective that if I tell you something's going on with me,
3: Mm
1: -hmm. personal, whatever, uh, that that's going to cause you to doubt me in a moment of truth. And, and we have to be able to separate Mm -hmm. that and say, no, we're humans. We're humans before we're cops. We're human beings. And this is, we need each other. We're, you know, the the worst we are is when we're isolated. And so Mm -hmm. it's going to take a little vulnerability. It's going to take some trust, but most of the time you've already got that trust established because you've already been through some crap together. And so I I think it's just taking some initiative, uh, and checking on each other. Uh, and that sounds really simple, but, um, maybe we're overthinking it and, um, and, and just take the initiative and say, Hey, are you okay? And if they're always shutting you off, ask, open ended questions, (laughs) uh, how's the family, you know, uh, not just the yes or no. So, and then, you know, maybe say, can I talk to you about something and just lay it out there and, uh, there's got to be an element of trust and because of some of the things that have happened in our society, and our culture, um, pertaining to law enforcement over the past 10 years, I think that it's damaged that trust, it's damaged that brotherhood and it's time to restore it. And, uh, the only way we can restore it is through trust and, and communication and, and making it stronger. Because if we don't, um, it's going to be nasty. So we we've got to do something. There's been, uh, I think as the last, uh, Last one I saw, there's been 62 suicides in law enforcement since January the first. Don't hold me to that, but it's in the 60s, and uh, that was that. That's way too many. I mean, that's outnumbering line of duty death, mm-hmm. left and right. And and uh, mm-hmm. these men and women are isolated. They feel like they don't have any hope. They don't have anybody they can talk to. We got to change it. We have an obligation to change it.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, we've got, like we were talking about earlier, man. We have somebody in the team that that can do all each individual thing they're there to train you or even the medic you know, patch you up, whatever you need. Like yep. I said, if you, if you're having a a, a, a problem is, is exactly that. It's just, it's a problem. It's a math problem, just whatever. So uh, however it is, we can solve it. That's, that's the beautiful part about this <laughs> whole thing. But yeah. the only way you're going to know is if somebody, you know, if you, if you ask.
3: Yeah. I'm looking here and, um, Part of the research here that it copied down this thing here that says uh, research suggests officer rates of completed suicides are three times higher than in the general population. And also, the, just the physical effects that take place. There's a Buffalo study from 2012 headed by John Volanti at the University of Buffalo and saying that um, all these different factors, shift work, long hours, unpredictable schedules, exposure to critical incidents – various physical demands, high rates of on-the-job on I- injuries, and how these contribute to so many different... Uh, they measure a lot of the cortisol effects, which is the stress hormone, right? We know that. And how yeah. um, when it, be- it eventually becomes dysregulated due to chronic stress, and it opens a person to a lot of different diseases. So obviously being able to get a handle on this and um, manage it effectively is critical for the health and longevity of everybody involved well I want to kind of I want to kind of take this thing into how you then how did this manifest itself in fixing your home life which obviously you've written several books on this topic um, where's the I'm trying to get the names of here get the names in front of me but you start out with behind the badge 365 daily daily, daily devotion for law enforcement um, one you did with uh, Colonel Dave Grossman was the bulletproof of marriage a 90 day devo- uh, 90 day devotional. Um, let's Let's talk about some of that some and how you can apply what you've you know learned and put together um, into the home life. Yeah, so uh, behind the
1: badge, it's just really a, a daily devotion is really short. It's for cops. And uh, mm-hmm. I wrote it short for a reason. I'm, I'm not a theologian. I'm not a preacher, uh, but I know cops. And I know that they don't have a lot of time. And so I wrote a devotion that's going to take like two minutes to read. And it's, and it's very simple to read. But my, my goal in that was to help them have something that they could put right here as they go about their day and something that would spark enough interest mm-hmm. that they want to go a little bit deeper that's doing very well bulletproof marriage was not written from a marriage counselors or marriage therapist standpoint. It was written written from a perspective uh, of a guy who did everything in the textbook to destroy it. And that was me. I did everything in the book to screw. I should be somewhere single right now. I should. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I broke it down and I looked at every area and I pulled my wife in and I said, Hey, uh, can I share this? It's <laughs> just said change the names and facts. You can share it. And so I did. And, um, you know, and, and then I did some research. I talked to other cops. I talked to other people across the sort of the spectrum across the country. And, and I pulled in stories and, and I, I wanted to break it down to where it's very simple. And it's, it's 90 days for a reason. Most of the mm-hmm. time, police academies are going to be 90 days. Most of the time, initial training is about 90 days for any, any service you're going to go into and sell them. Do we talk about how to manage our uh, relationships after we go through that training? And uh, we don't we don't talk about how to handle that. And so I start this whole thing off. <laughs> I don't and, remember that training, you, in, Marcus. Did you get uh, that no shit, man?
2: Right.
3: <laughs> I don't remember going through any relationships <laughs> on <concept>. where <laughs> <laughs> right. we clear.
2: Ta-da. I guess uh, we're in one. Guess what? <laughs> This kind of needs to be like the weather channel for me. All right. Constant updates. (laughs) (laughs) I literally ask my wife every 10 minutes if I, if I can do something or she needs something just to make sure I'm not effing that up. I don't do that. Just for my (laughs) own. That's not right, man. I just, I do the same
1: thing. Yeah. So, uh, it starts off with communication. We got six different sections. We broke it down into, Mm -hmm. um, and then of course, Colonel uh, we used his points from the Bulletproof Mind uh, seminars that he does, his training that he does for military, law enforcement, all across. And so we sort of applied those principles throughout. So it starts with communication, how important that is, knowing mm-hmm. the tone of your voice, the timing of your conversations, knowing when to bring the heavy stuff in and when to hold off on it. Uh, and then the, we talk about trust and trust issues and, uh, we talk about the intimacy initiative and having all the different areas of intimacy taken care of and then oneness and affirmation. So it's just broken up into mm-hmm. very practical sections and um, it's got discussion questions. It's got something for the sheepdog it's something for the spouse to do every single day, something that they can do in one day. And, uh, you know, I've had, I don't know how many thousands of people that have gone through this and I've got phone book just through to DC uh, to come out and talk about it, and uh, it is having a profound impact on relationships across the country, and uh, that is that is why I do what I do now. I'm still telling my story. I'm still this is still my outlet. that I'm still navigating stuff through. As continue like you said, Mark. And when we start to train, you know that that becomes an outlet, and and that's what I'm doing now is helping others uh, either navigate the crap that they've caused, accept responsibility for where they're at, and fix it and move on or or help to train to avoid those things going forward. So, um, man, I was I was hard to live with. There was a time I would come home, I would take my gear off, I would sit in the chair and stare at the wall. I didn't want to talk to anybody. And when she'd say, how was your day? Well, I just had a, you know, I've dealt with three rapes, or I've dealt with a robbery, I've dealt with a murder, I've dealt with an infant death, uh, mm-hmm. a traffic fatality. I just saw, you know, whatever, lay it out. Do you really want me to regurgitate what well, I just went through today? So I would say it was good and shut down. It wouldn't <laughs> say anything else. So right. I kind of walk you through that transition from the time you walk through the door, uh, whether you're coming home from 12 hours of duty, whatever, and kind of transition your conversation tone and your conversation, helping you navigate that point because it's a very critical point in our daily life. So that's uh, that's what Bulletproof Marriage is all about. It's forging resilient marriages.
3: I got a question for you. What do you say to the guy who's listening to this right now? Because there's going to be or woman that's sitting there listening to this right now, and they're they're going, "Yeah, I, I don't care about that. I don't, I don't. I don't need that." Or they're sitting there, lazy boy, they just got off duty, and they're just running over what they had dealt with in the day. And their wife or spouse walks in and drops your book in their lap, and they look at this and say, "Yeah, the last fucking thing I feel like doing is reading about fixing my problems." What do you say to that guy right now well, to change his mind? or woman
1: yeah well uh I, I know that there's people that don't care about it but i wrote it in a way and with a man that um that when you open the book and you start to read it if you take the initiative and do it that uh that it'll kind of flip things around it'll break things up that you're going through this this little book has got more um I wrote it for I wrote it for men to take the initiative, and that's what they're doing. I, I'll tell mm-hmm. you this: I got a thirty-year road cop from uh, LAPD, been married for I, I don't know forty years, whatever.
3: Thirty years, and his wife coming in and go one
1: and said, "Hey, let's do, yeah, oh forever." Oh, so he's kind of stuck, you know. But he, uh, she come in and said, "Let's do this devotion." He's like, "I am not interested, not mm-hmm. interested, whatever." And uh, so he sits down and does it anyway because she tells him to. And day two, the same thing. And then he just loses interest. Day three, she says, forget it. I'm not coming to you. It goes against the book and sits down and goes through it together. And then you got the younger guys who've been married two or three years doing Mm -hmm. the same thing. They're taking the initiative of going home to their spouse, and they're saying, I'd really like to try this for you, let's take five minutes a day and go through it. Uh, A lot of it has to do with your attitude going into it. If you got a crappy attitude about that and about your marriage – Man, I don't want to tell you. you. You're going to have to make a decision to get help, and you're going to have to make a decision to, make, to to do the work to make it better, or you're going to be fixing bigger, bigger problems down the road. So fix the little problems now. Take the initiative. Go through the challenge, and then uh, it, it'll help you. You know, it's not written. I didn't write it to beat men over the head because a lot of times that's what marriage books do. They tell you all the crap you're doing wrong and how sorry you are, and I really just don't think there's any room for that. And uh, this is to build both spouses up and build that whole family unit together so it's stronger um and you know I had a guy I, I've encountered some of these people they you know they messaged me and they said there's no such thing as bulletproof marriages. this is total bullet you know mm. and I, you know so I have to explain to them how bulletproof vest works because they've obviously never put on one <laughs> um it it still hurts um if you take around it doesn't mm. stop everything, but
2: it can be uncomfortable sometimes.
1: It, rub it can you the wrong way. It doesn't <laughs> mean that we're not going to yeah. be It doesn't mean that we're not going to take some rounds. It doesn't mean we're not going to take some hits and blows. But um, I think that that's that's the beautiful thing about it. We're going to keep fighting. We're going to fight for each other with each other, and together we're going to have each other's back. And reiterating that we're on the same team, like we're on the same team. Mm-hmm. And too often we become opposites and we become enemies and it becomes conflict. And so. Um, yeah, so that that's my message to them is just uh I think to to pick it up and give it a shot and understand that there's more people out there like you and uh you're not in it alone and uh that's probably why we have like a thousand people in a private group that are going through this together. And it's from literally uh every branch of the military and all fifty states, law enforcement, you name it. And uh, man, it's it's doing some good stuff. Well, that's awesome. But I man. get it. It's not
3: No, I I believe that's important work. My brother is actually a a law enforcement officer, he's a lieutenant uh, in Ohio. And uh, I know that uh, he talks to me about this kind of stuff, and I know it's important. And um, I appreciate everything he does and the people he works with as well.
2: Yeah, I just, I I can't stress the fact enough that that, a lot of people look to the SEAL teams and what we do because of how proficient we are at our job. And the reason we're proficient at it is because of how detailed we get in our conversations. And I mean, it's just, we talk, we talk it out, talk it out and until, and there's always going to be one guy that'll, and it's usually not, he's not picking it up. It's just that he didn't pick it up as as fast or as far ahead as everybody else did. And you can see that, right? When you, when you see it in their eyes, like, oh, uh, all right, man. And then if yep. the, the the solid teachers will be like, okay, uh, let's back it up a little bit. And you don't even have to call him out in it, man. You yep. just pick the dude out who knows what's going on and pick on his ass. Cause then he'll he'll know what's happening, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then just remember, man, you were always in that spot. There are times where you didn't know anything. That's true. I mean, let's, we take it all the way all help. the way back. The wonderful part about a yep. woman when you get into a marriage with her, that is a perfect teammate. Complete opposite of you standing right there, right? They can, they can do things we can't. I mean, you call it a marriage. I don't, you know, that, there's multiple names for it. Uh, Melly and I, we're, we're our own SF team. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. That woman watches That's out for yeah. me like nobody's business. And I know I was absolutely put down here, had to go through everything I had to go through because I have to watch out for her just to make sure yeah. her and that family gets whatever they need. For whatever reason, they're special and, and they got one of me tacked on top of them so I, I i i'm thrilled to death i get to live here and hang out with them <laughs>
3: i so, think that's evident right we see that every day yeah
2: man it's yeah. It's, it's true it's and and all actuality, well man the wife when you get married that's the one first you can even guys you're not supposed to be tough around your wife man you gotta act tough around your wife that means you're getting picked on on the outside <laughs> you know, straight up man <laughs> being open up and not and you're just like you said, when you get home and you take your arm off, throw it in the floor, I didn't even bring mine in the house, right? Hmm. You walk in and I'm like, I'm a cook, the groundskeeper, just you know and if you got kids, remember, remember when you like your grandfather, your great grandfather, you found out like he was just a total badass? <laughs> you're like, wait a minute, that was just grandpa. <laughs> he wasn't a badass. Like yeah he was <laughs> Grandpa is a straight up badass, right? But he, he you know, he would never huh. have shown you that side
0: because, you know, because of the love,
2: right? Yeah, you don't oh. have to. Act, if, you, if you're acting yeah, tough at home, then you get then you go get a bag and punch that thing. Or that's what you need to talk about because that's the one person you don't have to be tough around. That's
1: right.
2: Hmm. <clears throat> well put. I mean, you can take it too far, too. I'll stub my toe and comply, complain to Melanie for a week. I'm like, baby, man, this toe is really hurting. I ain't even lying. My boys come <laughs> around, like, what's up? You want to go kick the bag? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, unless you've got another big question you want to get into, no, I, we, I mean, I could ask him all day. I, go ahead. And, I mean, actually, we really could, but I don't know how much time he's got left. Yeah. We got. Well, anyways, we usually like to close out our show by asking our guests for a couple pieces of advice, and they can be anything. It doesn't have to be even related to what we've talked to. Just some things that if you have the well, you have the opportunity to pass on a couple concepts. Um, or principles that you found to be particularly valuable in life, and just pass those on to people, and they can. Uh, you never know who's listening, who's going to take what away from what's said here.
1: So,
2: and then where everybody can find you in, and yeah. in your books, and so we can push you on this side.
1: Yeah. Uh, as far as any advice or principles I'd give you, uh, I'm going to keep it really, really simple because I want you to remember it exactly. And uh, that's know what you believe, know who you believe in. Believe in something bigger than yourself. Um, I know that there's so many different faiths out there, uh, but I'm thankful for the faith I've got and the faith that many share. Uh, you got to believe in something bigger than you. Uh, at one point or another, you're going to have to rely on that. And uh, So I, I could give you like 12 or 13, so we'll just leave it with one. And then you could visit my website, theadamdavis.com, T-H-E, adamdavis.com. Mm -hmm. And there's information on all my books. It's also on killology.com. You can find me there on that's the Colonel Grossman's site. Their books are listed there. And, uh, man, I'd love to connect with you also. So uh, Facebook is uh, the official Adam Davis.
3: All right. And uh, what's the name of the book that's going to be coming out in the spring next year?
1: Yep. That's called On Spiritual Combat, 40 Missions for uh, Victorious Warfare. I'm
3: looking forward to you sending that to us. (laughs)
1: <laughs> hey, do we have his number? Do I? Uh-huh. We have his number, wizard.
2: Yeah, we do, but we, sell- we got a cell number. Yeah, I'll go. yeah.
3: No, I think um, that sounds very like interesting. Looking forward to it.
1: I would like to send you a copy of Bulletproof Marriage, also, if that would be okay. I
2: think sometimes. And look, man, you're you don't you're, you don't have to be messed up to to read this kind of stuff. I mean, I always looked at it like it, no. it just made me more that's proficient. Misconception, it, yeah, yeah that's that, that's huge. I mean, a lot of guys like it's, it's kind of like. Um, Buying your wife something for the kitchen. You know, and I'm like, what What are you saying? You're going to in the kitchen? I'm like, no, no. I mean, I'm going <coughs> to... <laughs> I've made that mistake. That's why I'm bringing that up. But I mean, a lot of times these books show up, and if you walk into the house with bulletproof marriage, oh, you're oh, like, what the f- what's wrong with our marriage? I'm like, nothing. But now it's about to be bulletproof. No, no,
1: no It's all how it's you sell it, I... boys.
2: It's all how you sell it's it.
1: It's all how you sell it. Nice listen, I've got people who have said... I. I don't need any help with my marriage. I just wanted to see if there's something I could use in training others with it. I don't need any help. My marriage isn't broken. Or somebody said, "We just like to. We just like to go through devotion together. It just gives us, you know, some time together every day. It doesn't have to be jacked up to go through it together. Oh, so, that, absolutely. Uh, and and, and uh, so, yeah, but no, I wouldn't say anything. I'm thinking he's wrong. No, we're good.
3: That's
2: yeah,
1: like uh, saying, but, yeah.
3: I, I don't need to change
2: That's the oil a little of my engine. You. Yeah, well, and, well, there's people have wonderful marriages. Yeah. <laughs> people have wonderful marriages, but they don't know how to explain how why their marriage is wonderful. But, you know what I'm talking about? They just don't... Like, I, I, hmm. You ask people, like, man, they get along great, and they're just, wow, why, why, how do y'all do that? I don't know, man. Just do. I yep. used to say all the time, like, why well, y'all so close? Gonna... I don't know, man. just are.
0: Hmm.
2: <laughs> but when you got somebody <laughs> who can ex- <laughs> help explain it, I mean, just always <laughs> think about... Growing up, man, you always need everything explained to you. all right. And then as you learn, you pick up things, you learn how to learn, but it's still we kind of get away from that as we get at a certain age we do that, man. You know, they kind of like fall away from reality, if you will. And we think we can pick everything up on our own. You're like, oh, I got this. right? And then <laughs> you obviously picked it up from some something, right? And mm-hmm. hopefully it's not the wrong thing because you, you can, you can make, mix that up, but if you spend enough time around people, because I mean, anything you're reading or any, it's written by somebody, right, mm-hmm. and and you, you'll know if it's real, it'll make sense. Right. I mean, just remember, I was telling you, man, when I Melly, me to cook dinner, I'll get on YouTube and start watching cooking shows until my mouth starts watering. I'm like, okay, that's obviously. Oh,
3: this is his new project.
2: Yeah, Mel's got me in the kitchen. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But I didn't know how to do that. So so I will watch and talk and see everything. I always looked at everybody. It's like an intel officer. I mean, what do you got for me? You know, if they can't teach anything, then you teach them something.
3: That's Hmm.
2: that's basically that's how conversations happen, and that's how you that's how you learn things about yourself you you you, you never knew.
3: Well, sorry, buddy. No, I I well, I mean, you don't need
2: and you don't need people to smash it in your face. It can be just as subtle as a conversation.
3: Yeah. That's
0: right.
3: Mm-hmm. The curiosity to be introspective. And yeah. like you said, know why, have something to believe in, and, and know why you believe it. Well, Adam, That's thank right. you so much for talking to us. It's been a pleasure. We could certainly do this again absolutely. sometime in the future, maybe after that book comes out in the spring. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? We'll push it. But
1: uh, Yeah, I'd love to. I appreciate y'all having me, man. This is awesome.
3: I really enjoyed it. I know I'm going to uh, make sure my brother passes the uh, this out to the people on his department, or at least make them aware of it. Yep. Um, and everything that you are working on, as as well as Mister Grossman and uh, Lieutenant Colonel Grossman.
2: That's why, that's why I always go with Doc. <laughs> 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 or you know, if he's a light, if he's a light colonel, you automatically call him Colonel, right? You, you always go and throw him. Right. You yeah. toss higher and out. Okay.
3: Yeah. I- <laughs> And everything that he's putting out. And uh, well, best to you, sir. And thank you for uh, sitting down. Thank you
2: again for being here on Saturday. God bless. Thank y'all so much. All right, buddy. that was great i enjoyed that
3: wasn't it though i think there's a lot of other people that are going to find that there's so much practical information in there
2: uh, you, you kind of just don't think about topic. the whole fact that we there's there's we talk about everything else but one thing usually when you got a problem he's right though i mean i,
3: mm-hmm. I think it's to a start gen- opening probably that a
2: generational thing too
3: I don't know. I think it's a it, it just comes I think it comes naturally with the line of work. It's just there's a persona, there's a the the aspect of of weakness though it is not weakness. It can nah. be construed as that, but then vulnerability particularly because What's you do about, have yeah, to the, be vulnerable to discuss those things and they run in direct contrast to what we when you're actually boots on the ground, when you're actually getting it done. Yeah. You can't be vulnerable like that. No, you I, yeah, I, I agree. You're
2: going you to figure that out before you get out there. That's why you can't let that stuff fester. When I met with generational, I mean, it's usually you, you are the way the pass down was. So I mean,
3: like we were yeah, emulating <coughs> those who went before Yeah, you, right? exactly. Man, yeah, how they sure. were.
2: So thanks, man, uh, Adam, for coming on here. That was, that was awesome. That being said, we're going to wrap this up. We got some house cleaning stuff, and then we'll get to a reader story. For that, let's do this. How you guys can listen to us. You can stream us directly from our website, tnqpodcast.com, or virtually any other podcast app, whether iPhone or Android. iTunes, Stitcher, Podacy, CastBox, and Radio Public. That's where you can find us. So tune us in.
3: All right. And uh, for social stuff, if you like to follow social media, start out with Team Never Quit, you'll... Find us on pretty much any of the major social media outlets. Specifically, Instagram, we put some uh, attention into. So the show is TNQ Podcast. You can find Marcus at Marcus Latrella. You can find myself, the wizard, at the underscore wizard underscore TNQ. And
2: if you're logging on, it's TNQpodcast.com. Listen directly to all of our episodes. We have merchandise from anywhere from shirts to hats and... The best part about it is our listener write-ins, of course, and you can find that mm-hmm. under the tab at Share Your Story. Well, thank you guys again for coming out. Adam, again, man, that was an amazing story. And we're going to get into another amazing story with one of our write-ins. This is from Sean. I've had mixed feelings about sharing this, and I still have a hard time asking for help. It makes me feel weak even though I know it doesn't make me weak. In tw- 2007, I became a firefighter with the local department. This event was like a dream come true. I'd always wanted to be in a career that allowed me to help people, although my time there, I saw many terrible things. But they never affected me. At least that's what I thought. I left the fire department, and after three years, I became a police officer. I felt that I could do more good as a police officer as a firefighter. You're waiting for something to happen so you can do your job. Police officers can go get out and be proactive. I thought this would be a perfect fit for me. I love guns, driving, and I don't like to sit still. During the Law Enforcement Academy, I excelled, which I saw as a sign. This is what I was meant to do. After graduation, I headed out for my first phase of OJT, on-the-job training. And as the brand-new officer, I was excited, nervous a little, and scared. My first phase went really well, and I felt great. Two weeks into the second phase, I began to have really bad anxiety. I could no longer sleep. There were dreams of getting in gun fines, with uh, constant malfunctions, previous calls. For, <laughs> bro, you're not the only one that has that dream. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the, the nightmare huh. where your gun doesn't work?
3: Oh, that's uh, like where you can't run away from you things. Can't run away. You can't if fight away If you try to hit somebody, it's like... <laughs> strength. Everything's slow. It's just oh, a natural brother. extension of that, that phenomenon. Yeah. yeah.
2: It gets us to us all, brother. Don't worry. Anyways... I would be fine, but when it was when I was got home that I could barely function. Anxiety led to depression, which led to thoughts of taking my own life. Throughout all of this, I kept telling myself to tough it out and don't make your problems someone else's. I held on until I could hold on. I couldn't hold on anymore. One day after I got home from the gym, my sister and I spoke. She said that I seemed off and, I asked, and asked if I was okay. I said that I was. I couldn't hold it any, in any longer, though. I broke down and told my sister everything that was going on. The tears would not stop flowing, and all I could think about was, how is this happening to me? I've always been so easygoing and happy. My career is over. I can't tell the guys at work that I'm, what I'm going through. My sister then called my mother and explained what was happening. They both took me to the doctor, and I was told that I was suffering from PTSD and had an acute depressive episode. All I wanted to know was how to fix it and get back to work. I was so scared to tell my sergeant. I was so scared of losing my job. I, unfortunately, made a terrible decision and lied to my sergeant, saying I had a family emergency I Had a family emergency, and I wouldn't be in for my shift. Feeling a lot of guilt, I called my sergeant shortly after our first conversation and told him the truth, which didn't go over well. I was put on light duty and given some time off. When I came back to work, I went through a fit-for-duty eval, and was given the green light to hit the streets. I was so excited, but still, I didn't feel 100%. After my first week back, everything seemed to, go- to be going well, but on the last day of my work, my sergeant saw that I was having a rough day, and he sent me home early for the weekend. When I came in the next week, I got pulled into the chief's office, and I was told that I was going to be reassigned or to be terminated. Immediately, my heart sank. Why did I come forward with this? Why did I listen to these people at the academy that said, if you're ever having anxiety or an issue, we're here for you. I hit rock bottom. Everything I had worked so hard for was ripped away from me. This all happened in 2011. I've grown so much over that period of time. It is still hard for me to discuss this with anyone, and I struggle with the feelings of purpose. I have been watching and listening to your podcast for a little while. Today I watched the podcast with Sean Ryan, and it literally had an effect on me. Hearing his story and how a lot of you hard-charging mothers have struggled, really, let me know. I'm not alone on this. I really look up to you guys and appreciate what you do. I'm not a quitter, and I will never give up until the good Lord makes me or takes me. Thank you for your time and for all you do. Team Never Quit. This is Sean, out. Hmm.
3: Brother... I don't know if we could have found a more appropriate story for that. I mean, it illustrated It's like a case study for what we talked to Adam about.
2: It is. And and, I mean, just like you said, man, there's a lot of people out there going through it. We all go through certain things at certain times of life, certain phases, and always know that we we do. We have to go through them. And I think once more and more of us realize that and you, you talk openly to your friends about what's going on, man, and that just, that's what they're there for. That's for, they're there for the knowledge, man, and for the, for something to lean on. I mean, the biggest among us have been knocked down to a knee and needed some shoulders to crawl up
3: on. And, and you need to realize that peop- that there's other people out there thinking exactly what you are. Yeah. And they are concerned about bringing it up to anybody. Sure. But you just have to find, you know, you have to find that pe- the, those people, that person that you're going to be able to lean on, like you're talking about, Marcus. That's it
2: that's it man it's the brotherhood that's why we do this and you know we'll never just like we watch out for each other on the line we'll watch out for each other behind the line and everywhere in between it's, it's incumbent upon us to do that man that's what creates that bond and makes us so strong that's what makes this place so special and that's what makes you all so special man and, and thank you all for for coming on here and to the fans thanks for keep coming back and listening to us man we we love y'all we can't can't tell y'all that enough we don't even have the words to describe how, how amazing this job is so thank you for it
3: glad to have you with us yeah
2: god thank you for everything um, jesus we love you and i'm out, out.